Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we are getting ready to just say no to greed. The Bible tells us that we cannot have two masters. It's either God or money. If we are faithful with our money to God, He'll pour out so many blessings upon us, we won't know what to do with them. But if we choose to serve money, we'll forever be unsatisfied, looking constantly for something to fill us up in the wrong places. Let's jump into today's message. So today, I want to bring a message simply entitled, Just Say No to Greed. Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus said to them, now he's talking to his disciples, but how many of you know the them is you and me? This includes us. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that they possess. But yet every one of us will hear the voice of the deceitfulness of riches. Those are actually words right out of the Bible. Jesus said this, Mark 4, 19, talking about things that will cause the word of God to not work to produce in our lives. He says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. It enters in and chokes the word of God and it becomes unfruitful. If I were to, in a normal service, just say, how many believe the word of God's powerful? Everybody go, yes. How many believe the word of God is the most powerful? And everybody would say yes. But do you know, Jesus told us that the deceitfulness of riches will choke the word of God. It will choke it so that it does not produce in our lives. The deceitfulness of riches basically says this, that money will give purpose to life. It gives a sense of importance. It represents power, influence, achievement, security. But Jesus told us that the number one pursuit of life is not to be riches, but the kingdom of God. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the deceitfulness of riches says that life will, will have more purpose when you have more. In fact, if you just had more, you would be happy. If you had more, you'd be admired. If you had more, you would be somebody important. And if you had more, you wouldn't hurt. You would be successful if you had more. I mean, and people would attribute you to having more value if you simply had more. When I was thinking about this, my mind immediately went to Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10. This is what it says. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, that we may do the good works which God predestined, simply means planned beforehand, for us, that we should take paths prepared ahead of time. So God's prepared things ahead of time for you, that we should walk in them, living the good life, when people think of the good life, some of them think of beer because they claim that's the good life, right? But that is not the good life. The good life is the life that God prepared for you. You see, and when, when, when God not only prepared the good life for you, 
He prepared you for the good life. In other words, God created you. And when God created you, he put inside of you, if I could just say it, in your DNA, everything that was going to be needed for you to do what God planned for you to do. In fact, if, if the DNA of all your cells was laid out in a single strand, it would stretch from the earth to the moon a minimum of 246,000 times. Some of us, we've got more DNA than others, and it would stretch a lot farther, I'm sure. All right? But think about that. If the cells in your body, just that strand of DNA, were to be stretched out to the moon, it would go 246,000 times. So what does that tell me? That tells me that when God created you, he created you for specific purposes. He created you to be more fulfilled doing what he created you for than anything else that the world has to offer. You're special. And God created you specifically to do specific things. And your DNA, everything about you, was created so that it would propel you and enable you to do what God has created you to do. Again, the deceitfulness of riches, if you just had more, you'd be somebody. You'd be significant. You would be happy. You would not hurt. You'd be secure if you just had more. But this is what I found out. Every time you get something else, you got to clean it. You got to insure it. You got to protect it. You got to repair it. You got to store it. And you got to worry about it. Everything that you get, listen, it comes with a ball and a chain. Every single item comes with a ball and chain. And here's the crazy thing. No matter what you get, you will not be satisfied. Listen, Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. Now, what Solomon said, he said, this is vanity. He said, if that's what you're pursuing in life, it will never be enough. Right? Because no matter how much you have, you think, I need more to be secure. I need more to really appear to be successful, to be important, to really show that I'm an achiever. I need more. Now listen, money is a wonderful, wonderful tool. It's a wonderful servant, but it is a terrible master. And when you believe that your life consists in the abundance of the things that you possess, you will never, ever be satisfied. There's just never enough. Now, money in itself is not evil. I've heard people say money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It is the pursuit of money, right? the love of it, that is the, the, the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself, but it's the love of it. Uh, money itself is immoral. It, 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 it has no desire. Now, I used this example several years ago, but if, if I'm walking downtown Grand Rapids, you know, we had started streetlight ministry down there many, many years ago, still going. I, I'm walking downtown, and there's a drug deal going down. And they see the cops, and they take off running, and they leave the money. And I go over, and I see a bag, and I kick that bag. And out come wads of $100 bills. There's $600,000 in there. Now, somebody says, that's drug money. And I say, that's my money. 
Now, if I take that money and pick that up, am I all of a sudden going to go, where's the nearest crack house? (laughs) will, Will that money change me? No, no. But what that money will do is it will allow me to do whatever is in my heart in more abundance. Right? That, that's why <laughs> boat dealers talk about two-foot-itis. You got a 24-foot, but you got to have a 26. And after you get the 26, you got to have a 28. Because when you have more, you can do more of what is in your heart. I'm telling you, I will not go to a crack house. But I can tell you what the first part of that money is going to do. The first part of that money is going to go into the kingdom of God. Because that's what's in my heart. But now listen, with money comes responsibility. With money comes responsibility. I've met with some wealthy people. And a few of them, I've actually said this, you know, I says, I wouldn't want to be you. Because you've got an awful lot to give an account for when you stand before God. But listen, Ecclesiastes 9, 7, verse 13. This wisdom I've also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built a great snare around it. Now there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the same poor man. So the poor man delivers the city by his wisdom, but nobody remembered him. Now, he goes on, and and this is is Solomon's observation, right? His observation is that money brings influence. Money brings influence. He said the wise man, he delivered the city, but nobody remembered him. But yet they would listen to the foolishness of a rich man. Money brings influence. And it's influence that every person that's rich should use for the kingdom of God. First Timothy chapter six. Now, here's the thing about rich people. First of all, you don't think you are, but you are. I've told you this before. You are rich because you have rich people problems. The air conditioning goes out on your car. Rich person problem. Your cell phone has poor reception. That's a rich person problem. You go to the closet that's full of clothes and you open it and go, I have nothing to wear. That is truly a rich person problem. (laughs) You take your refrigerator that works fine and you get rid of it and get a new one because you like the color better. That's just a rich people stuff, right? And by the way, if your car has a house called a garage, you're just a rich person. There's just no doubt about it. Okay, command those who are rich. You see, rich people have extra temptations, the specific temptations that come to people that are rich. Command those who are rich in this present age. Now, how many know there's different ways to be rich? So you can be rich spiritually. You can be rich financially, but he's talking about financial riches, not to be haughty. Don't be proud. The temptation is to think, that my net worth and my self-worth are the same. And Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. 
He says, your self-worth is not equal to your net worth. They are not related at all. But the temptation is to be proud because of what you have. Think you're better, think you're smarter. Nor to trust in uncertain riches. Here's the second thing. Rich people are tempted to believe that they're secure because they have something. That their money will protect them. In fact, Solomon called it to the rich person, it's like a wall, a city wall around them, protecting them. See, if your security is in riches, well, Solomon said it like this. He said, they can take wings and fly away. And it doesn't take long. He says, so the rich person, one of their temptations is pride. Another is to trust that their money will keep them safe and secure from whatever problems show up in this life. But to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I want you to look at me just a minute. So when God blesses you with something, God wants you to enjoy it. Right? God doesn't want you to hide it. Don't be ashamed. Right? When God gives you something, he gives it to you to enjoy. Jeannie and I have a, a pontoon boat. And I got a big motor. <laughs> so I could pull the grandkids. And let me tell you, I enjoy it. All right, it is fun. I'm just telling you, I'm not ashamed of my boat. I like my boat. I'm enjoying it. God gave it to me. All right, we're going to enjoy it. When God gives you something, what you should do with it? Enjoy it. All right. And then it says, let them do good. Let them be rich in good works. Ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So the Bible says when, when we're rich, just be careful of tempta the temptations, pride, security. Think that our money makes us safe. We're to enjoy what God gives us, but we're to be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Now, it is the love of money, not money, that is the root of all kinds of evil. First Timothy 6 says, for the love of money is the root of all evils. And it is through this craving. Right? Now, here's when you can tell it. it you, you can love money and be broke. Right? Or you can have tens of millions of dollars and not love it. Here's what it is. It's through this craving, through this craving that I've got to have more. I've got to have more. I've got to have more, right? When they, you just got this inside, I've got to get it. That's my pursuit. You know, when we're pursuing money, instead of pursuing the kingdom of God, money's become our God. And Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon or money the things that money can get. You can't serve both. It's the only thing that Jesus said that about because it is the number one false God where we get our identity from what we have. And Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you have or do not have. The Phillips translation says, for men who set their hearts on being wealthy, expose themselves to temptations and fall into the world's traps 
and lay for themselves open up all sort of silly and wicked desires, which are quite capable of utterly ruining and destroying their faith. So we want to be for sure we're pursuing first the kingdom of God. Does God want to bless you? Yes, he does. And when he does, he wants you to enjoy it. But it is the love of money, not money itself, that is the root of all kinds of evil. So what are some of the purposes of money? Well, obviously, to meet our needs. The Bible says if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So we're, we're to use money to meet our own needs. Uh, when a poor widow woman comes to the prophet and says, you know my husband and what he did, and now I'm in debt. The creditor's coming to take my two sons. And he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, all I've got is a little bit of oil. I think most of you know the story. He said, go and gather as many vessels as you can. Don't get just a few. And then close the door to your house and take your crews and begin to fill. And supernaturally, every one of them fills until there's no more left. And she said, look, this is what happened. And the man of God said to her, go and sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons live on the rest. One of the purposes of money, and I think it's the one that everybody recognizes, is simply to be able to meet the needs that you have and that your family has, right? Some of the other purposes are not quite so easy to catch, right? One of the purposes of money, listen, the purposes of money is to give. It is the purpose. Listen, Ephesians 4, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to those who are in need. In fact, I really believe that when God looks down at blessing us financially, I think one of the first things God thinks of, if not the first thing, is they're going to be able to sow. They're going to be able to give. Because that's God's heart. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave. See, and when you love, you give. You can give without love, but you can't love and not give. So he says, that person who used to steal, now go and work that you may have something to, to give. In Malachi 3 and 10, it says, bring all the tithe of the full tithe into the storehouse. Someone asked me a while back, you know, can I tithe 5%? No, you'll be nickeling, not diamond. You know, not, you're, not, you're not tithing, you're nickeling. <laughs> it's always 10%. The tithe it literally means 10%. In fact, it means the first 10%, not the last 10%. Right? Somebody says, I just don't have money to tithe. No, you do. You don't have money to go to McDonald's. Because the tithe isn't the last, it is the first. You say, well, you're mean. No, God wants to be, he wants to be first. Now, here's what, listen to the rest of this. If there may be food in my house, try me now or prove me in this. Listen, this is the only time in the Bible we are told to test God. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. Won't be room enough to receive it. God says, when you sow, he is going to open the windows of heaven. He's going to bless you. Then another purpose of money, get this, is to prepare for eternity. Jesus said, 
Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Literally, when we take something and put it into the kingdom of God, we take something that is temporal. Temporal means that it's subject to change or destruction. How many of you know, well, I've, I've, I've told the story many times, you know, uh, Jeannie and I had just moved to Mexico. This is uh, 40, 45 years ago. Next month, it'll be 45 years. And we go downtown to the market. Right? And Jeannie wanted a blanket. And in Mexico, they always give you one price at the market. It's not the real price. Right? You've got to haggle. So I don't remember where he started out. I think he started out at like 35 bucks. And I offered him five. And we're getting down. All right. And the bottom line was we got down. And I wanted to pay 15 bucks. I think he wanted 18 bucks. And I said to Jeannie, I said, let's go. Because that's just your last tactic. You walk away and then they come after you. So we start walking away. And he says, he says stop, stop, stop. He says, see this blanket? I said, yeah, it's a nice blanket. He says, this blanket will last way longer than your money. We still have the blanket. He won. I paid 18 bucks. It outlasted the money. Trust me, it outlasted the money. But listen, when you put it in the kingdom of God, it lasts forever. You take something that is temporary and you put it in the kingdom of God, it instantly becomes eternal. Honey, you should go home in between services and get the blanket. We still have it. It was worth every penny of that 18 bucks. All right. One more thought here, at least. Money, listen, is a test. Money is a test. Luke 16, Jesus says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust true riches? If you haven't been faithful with money, who will commit to your trust true riches? Now, he's talking about spiritual things. Now, again, when uh, God talks about giving, he talks about the tithe. That's where we start. We start with the tithe. Now, I want you to think about this. In, in numero numero numerology, biblically, uh, 10 is the number of testing. When uh, God delivers the, the Egyptians, excuse me, delivers the Israelites from the Egyptians, how many plagues are there? There are 10. And by the way, how many commandments did he give? 10. God said to Moses, he said, the Israelites have tested me these 10 times in the wilderness. Jacob is working for Laban. And God wants to get his heart right. And remember what he says. He says, he's changed my wages 10 times. And by the way, when Jesus gives the uh, parable of the virgins, how many are there? 10 who are tested whether they're going to have the oil or whether they're going to not prepare their oil. Daniel is in the kingdom of Babylon. They want him to eat food sacrificed to idols. 
And he says to the man in charge, please test us for 10 days and just give us vegetables and then look and see what happens and deal with your servants according to what you see. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. How many get the picture that 10 has to do with the test? Right? So every time that money comes into your hands and my hands, it is a test. Are we going to put God first or are we going to put ourselves first? It's a test. And Jesus said, he said, if you are not faithful with money, he said, who will commit to your trust true riches? God is not going to commit to our trust spiritual things if we aren't faithful with material things. One more thought as we uh, kind of close up this morning. One of the purposes of money is inheritance. It is to leave an inheritance. Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So the Bible tells us we're to leave and inheritance. You know, one of the things that it allows you to do is it allows you to take what you have accumulated in your life and pass it on so that you, others can really have a boost to getting where you were at. But now here's what I want to talk to you about. So many people do not prepare. Some simply because it's not convenient. Some because they don't want to face the fact that they're mortal. There are people, they're in their 80s and they do not want to get to, they do not want a will. They don't want anything because they don't want to think they're ever going to die. Listen, you're going to die. If Jesus does not come back, every one of us, we're going to die. So what we need to do is we need to prepare. And somebody said, well, you know, I don't, I don't, ha I don't have a will. You don't realize you do have a will. The state has one for you. And they will decide what happens to your stuff and to your children. Who's gonna, who are they going to live with? They'll decide, your stuff and your children. So Genesis 25, Abraham is old. And so he's going to put his affairs in order. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the son of his concubine, Keturah. You see, after Sarah died, I... I, I this blows me away. Abraham is 133 years old. Sarah dies and he gets remarried and has six kids. So he gave every one of those six kids gifts and sent them away. But he gave Isaac everything that he had. So while he was alive, I think it's interesting. The Bible tells us to follow the faith of Abraham. And Abraham set everything in order while he was still alive. He had it all prepared, right? Executed it, made sure everything was there before he died. I cannot tell you how many times I have been at funerals where people are fighting about money. And they're fighting because somebody did not prepare ahead of time, right? I believe this is extremely important if you're young and you have children. 
And it's important if you're, if you're older and you want to decide what's going to happen after you die with your assets. Let me tell you a story. This is years ago, a couple in our church, they came to Jeannie and I, and uh, they said, uh, they, they weren't planning on dying. They were in good health, right? And they, they said, uh, you know, our families are a mess. And if anything happened to us, we would not want our family to have them. It's particularly, they mentioned one of the two's family. And they said, if, if we died, would you take our kids? And we said, absolutely, just get the stuff together. Right? Three years passed. They never did. They were in a plane wreck and both of them died. And the very thing that they said they did not want to happen, happened. Relatives swooped in, literally stole the kids, took them out of state. And the, everything that they had feared would happen, happened because they did not prepare. Right? And I just want to encourage you, right? get ready. Now, somebody said, well, that's awful practical. How many know? Practical's good. Practical's right. You know, so many of us, we try to reach God without realizing that God has already reached down to rescue us through Jesus. And if you're watching today, but you know you're not right with God, you're away from God, and you say, I want to be right, I want to be forgiven, I want to be a child of God, I want to invite you right now to bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again, and I believe he's coming again. Today I receive the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for me. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I'm a part of your family today and forever in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you are right with God. You're forgiven. You're a part of his family on your way to heaven. But you need to keep growing spiritually. And I wrote a book. I want you to have a free copy of this book. It's called Your New Life. It's just full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. All you need to do is get online, download the book, and it's going to help you keep on growing in Christ, walking by faith. God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor had said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change the lives of all those around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider being a partner with us. You can either visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. You can text ResGive to 94000, select Walking by Faith in the menu, or select the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social media platform by searching WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next time.